0: It's us, or them. I have a plan. And it'll destroy them
1: all.
2: What? You're hurting me. What? You're one of us, Doctor. You want revenge
1: to pain, angry. The humans will be melted as they deserve, and then the factory will be destroyed. Once we get to the mainland, the real battle begins. The humans won't stand a chance.
0: Now we need to move.
1: The Discussing Network presents Discussing Who, a Doctor Who podcast. I am Kyle Jones, and I want to welcome back, let's start with Lee Shackelford. Lee, how goes the day? Pretty good, pretty good. Glad to be back talking about this uh, extraordinary episode of Doctor Who. Indeed. This is one that I am actually looking forward to talking to you guys about because mm-hmm. I think I underrated it all these years. hmm <laughs> I'm really excited to get into it with you guys, but can't get into it with both of you yet because I think there's a solar storm somewhere out there and Clarence is having interception or interference or timey whiminess. so I will hold my Clarence Brown introduction for a moment. Hey, Hey, I'm here. I'm here. (laughs) Ah, okay. Solar flare is cleared up. That's cool. So I get to say, Clarence Brown, how goes the day?
0: Uh, It's going pretty good. I can't complain. Glad to be on with you guys.
1: Awesome. Well, I don't know how much you heard, but we were both saying that this may have been an underrated episode, and we're kind of excited to be getting into it.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. There's so many things about this episode that are great on so many different levels, and it definitely brings the last episode up a notch for me because man such a great episode and great ending to boot so i'm i'm yeah. ready to talk about it
1: awesome awesome well before i get into the news i want to share something for everyone listening make sure you stick around to the end of the episode and lee has something that may cause him to need to drop off the podcast a little bit early and if he does that i'm going to share what i'm talking about with before he drops off so make sure you listen to the entire podcast so that you can hear something as i'm getting so excited about our next episode (laughs) but Uh, it's not the it's not the next episode yet this is the almost people and we have some news because the bbc has announced that filming has begun on series 13 this is also in reality the 39th season of Doctor Who since it began in 1963. However, this season will be curtailed to only eight episodes. Curious to what you guys think. Lee Shackelford, why don't you go first? Well, you asked on Facebook what do you think
2: about the uh, um, eight episode season, and I said I prefer it to the zero episode season. So, really, honestly, that's that's all I got. Um, You know, I'd rather have if they are eight spectacular and brilliant episodes, then that's great, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Same as well. It's
0: better to have something than nothing. But by the same token, I hope the turnaround after these, you know, eight short episodes isn't, you know, a long, long time. So uh, as long as the quality, as long as they're good and we're getting something. And in the current uh, climate that we're in with the pandemic and everything, I guess we have to at least be glad for that.
1: Yep. Yeah. I will echo yeah. what you guys said. I hope that things like Benny don't come along this next season. I really, right. really, really hope that. However, it's better than zero and kudos to the BBC. Kudos to the production team, for the actors, for everyone involved for getting back in there and giving us some mental feed that we, I think, so desperately need right now. So I'm happy, 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 happy with that. So gentlemen, do you guys have any other items before we get into the review? Because I'm actually super excited to get into this because I want to know what you guys think. So anything before we get into the review? No, the eight episode uh, season is the only thing that I'm aware of that's happening in the Doctor Who world right now, so... Well, I will mention real quick that I did finish The Faceless Ones. You know, I've been talking Mm -hmm. about that for the last probably three or four episodes. I did not know at the end, spoiler, from the past, but this is also the episode where Ben and Polly leave at the end. Interesting, though. That was interesting, seeing that. I wasn't expecting that. And I finished the story, and Lee, I think you said this is one of those regrets that it got wiped. And I agree right. with that. It was very solid, very good story. Mm. Yeah, I, I look forward to tracking it down. Um,
2: there are some other sources for getting these in the U.S., and so I'm uh, exploring that. Because uh, the one that I really want to see is, um, uh, well, maybe it is the faceless ones. <laughs> but I know they've reconstructed another of the Patrick Trump Is it stories. the Macro Terror? Yeah. Uh, um, well, yeah, I do want to see MacroTerra, So, uh, but if I had to compare
1: this one to the MacroTerra, this by leaps and bounds is so much better. Okay, great. So. That's terrific. Yeah. But what is also great is the fact that I get to say at this point, if you have not seen the Almost People, put us on pause. Go out, watch the episode. Come back because from this moment forward, spoilers.
2: Spoilers.
1: Affirmative. Spoilers. Spoilers. Affirmative. Spoilers. The spoiler warning has gone out, and we are back to review the Almost People. This is the sixth episode of the 2011 series of Doctor Who, first airing on the 28th of May 2011. It starred Matt Smith as the Eleventh Doctor's. Arthur Darville as Rory Williams, and Karen Gillan as Amy Pond. So summary view, and Clarence, let's start with you. What did you think?
0: Um, just a good
1: overall
0: story, I feel. I kind of feel like maybe we this didn't need to be a two-porter, um... To me, it could have been just a slightly longer episode, <laughs> and it would have, you know, hit all those same tones. Because in a lot, a lot of senses, I felt like the first uh, half of this two parter was was wasted a bit. But man, once we get here, it's just firing on all cylinders, and you know, having these two factions of people kind of going, well, people holding up quotes, go against each other. Um, it's just, just great fun. And the, the very end of the episode is something that I, I never remember this stuff. I never remember. I, this is like my second time seeing this episode and
1: wow. Wow. <laughs> what about you guys? All right. All right. So I know we'll get into it, but Lee, I can't wait to hear what you think. I'm uh,
2: very much the same thing. I can just, uh, uh, echo Clarence. Um, I, uh, uh, I don't want to speak for for y'all, but uh, w- did I did I follow right from uh, reading your uh, chat online earlier today that y- you had kind of forgotten a lot of this episode because I, I had uh, I it, 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 some of this I, I really I felt like I haven't seen this before <laughs> I don't <laughs> what what happened that I had kind of a yeah, did I I don't know did I black out when I was but um but I did know the last moments the last beat of this this cliffhanger before we get to to be continued i just didn't remember that it happened in the almost people yeah. but uh so so there we are but um but yeah it was full of surprises to me yeah <laughs> i couldn't remember what happened to uh the flesh version of the doctor in the end and um so i, I was you know really on the edge of my seat waiting to see how that was going to get resolved And I did catch, and I want to make sure uh, everybody else did too, that in reading the titles that uh, Kyle said that Matt Smith played the 11th Doctors. (laughs) Yep. Which is very true.
0: Is this the better The Two
2: Doctors uh, episode? Oh, by (laughs) far. Better than The Two Doctors? Yeah. Yeah. Talk about your sci-fi tropes, though. You know, there is... I can't think of a science fiction franchise in which you're Central character doesn't get split into two people, yeah, or, or yes. encounter an exact duplicate of, of some kind or the other. So, uh, this is Matt Smith's turn at getting to do the the thing.
0: Well, it, it, especially, and I know we're going to get into it, but the added history of when we get the doppelganger, ganger, uh, oh, is that what they're called gangers? <laughs> um, and and man, just when he goes into those different. I'm assuming those are audio clips from the other doctors. he's not impersonating them, impersonating them. those are actual clips from the other doctors that
1: they threw in there but yeah that's that's definitely Tom Baker's voice yeah
2: uh, yep. uh, jelly baby but, yep.
1: uh, yeah four and five interesting that they didn't do one and three, but they the four and five voices absolutely was oh, p- the, p well, the very
2: first thing he says is um uh, I, I I'll go back, yes, I'll go back. And, of course, the first doctor said, one day I'll come back.
1: Right. Yes, I'll come yeah. back. But from his point of view, it's go back. So, yeah. Then, then you, you just answered one of my questions. One of my questions yeah. was, why did he say one day we will go back as opposed mm-hmm. to one day I shall come back? Because yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So for me, this is one of those, and I'm going to echo what both of you said. It was one of those episodes where I knew what happened of course, knew what happened at the end, and I knew that there was the voices at some point in the two-parter, but I really didn't pay any attention to the two-parter until I came back to it today and yesterday and watching it going, wow, this is a lot better than what I remembered. Mm -hmm. So let's go into our opening scene. We've touched on it a little bit, but we visit the past Regenerations, we referred to the first doctor, with the one day we will go back. We reverse the polarity, of course, coming from the third doctor. We talk about jelly babies coming from the fourth doctor. And then there's a quote from Peter Davison that is the fifth doctor. Thoughts in general about this decision to not only include these quotes from previous incarnations, but bringing in the voices, hearing those voices. Lee, can you remember what it was like listening to that 10 years ago and hearing, wow, Tom Baker, wow, Pete Davidson?
2: No, no, I don't. Uh, This was a complete surprise to me, and I can't explain why. But I, I just did not remember that at all. It's very strange. Interesting. Yeah.
1: Clarence, do you remember it from the first time view? Not at all. And I think even if
0: I did, it wouldn't have the same impact for me as, you know, as I have dove into more classic in the past 10 years. And I know more of these other doctors than I did at the time. It it, it probably completely went over my head the first time uh, listening to it. But wow, so awesome this time. And for me, I know, Cal, you mentioned before. When you saw some of the flashbacks in, uh, I think a, a Matt Smith episode. I think uh, was the, the 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 new Doctor. I forgot the name of the episode. The,
1: uh, the next Doctor.
0: The next Doctor. Uh, you mentioned when you saw that that kind of cemented what was going on for you with how this links to the past. But for me, something there was something special about hearing those voices in this sequence that solidified it more for me than just seeing the images. And I don't know why, but um, it just kind of took me there.
1: <laughs> mm. Mm. So I'm going to throw in a ad lib question to Lee. Lee, why do you think that hearing those voices made that more relevant for Clarence?
2: Um, b- because they're literally coming from the doctor, would be my guess. I mean, w- we we see him and we know him as being who he is, and then he's. But these other voices are coming out of him. And it's just such a solid reminder that all of those people are are him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you could say that it's pure fan service. I mean, but it's also just a very interesting way of you know uh, uh, approaching one of the core concepts of the show.
1: And in doing it in such a way to where it yes is fan service and i'm all there for it i love fan service especially True. if it's fan service in a form that i like so of course i'm gonna love that <laughs> but yeah. um they did it in a way to me that didn't feel like well look you know look i hear um there's there's been other shows where we've seen fan service where they're hitting you over the head with it this wasn't hitting you over the head with it this to me tied to what was going on in the story So we mentioned in our earlier review that there was acid and we didn't really understand why is there acid there? I thought that it was just a side note here. I thought it was kind of interesting that now we get a reason why um, that there was acid for one thing. We see them breaking the door down or getting into breaking through the door using, quote unquote, Or here we have it,
0: acid. So what was the reason? I don't know if I really got the reason.
1: I just just figured that they had it as a plot device so that they could use that to say, let's break down the door.
2: Uh, Hmm. Possible. Possible.
1: Let me ask you guys about the breathe moment. And let me preface by saying, when I started making my notes, and this is how much I did not remember the episode, I wrote down... A question to you guys. Do we think the doctor knew Amy was pregnant? And that was my question that I was going to pose to you. And then I had to go and scratch it out because my question was answered by watching it. So I'm going to reframe my question and ask, what did you think about the doctors asking or telling Amy to breathe throughout this story? And Clarence, I'll start with you. What were your thoughts on the breathe moment? By the time
0: we get to the end, it's obvious what's going on. But when it was happening, no idea what, why they were telling her that. None at all. What about you guys?
2: And it's so interesting that the doctors are somehow tuning in to what's going on. I... I I do look forward to our talking about the next episode and episodes as we start to unpack some of what's really going on here. But, uh, yeah, because I don't remember how the doctor has these insights. And he says very quickly at the end of this episode that, um, um, his realization that Amy is, uh, not really there is the reason why he went to the, uh, why he wanted to go to the the factory. Yeah. And, and,
0: I think maybe for me, you know, we get those scenes of him scanning her and it going from positive to negative back and forth throughout, you know, all of these last few episodes. To me, it would have made more sense for it to always say negative, because if this is a, you know, almost person <laughs> that that uh, that's been traveling with them. But the fact that it was going back and forth, I don't know if there's some neural connection that was causing it to flip. I don't know. Uh, We may get that explanation in the next episode, but, but uh, yeah, I do like the explanation of why they are at this planet at the end of the episode from the doctor.
1: I have a theory as to why we had to go to this planet as opposed to not just saying, hey, you know, Amy was a duplicate. I think this was and no spoilers toward the end of the series for the series finale. Mm -hmm. I, at the watching of this 10 years ago in 2011 or nine years ago, when I watched this, I believed, and again, no spoilers for the end, because it may be, by not giving spoilers, be what I'm about to say. I was firmly convinced that I knew this is what this episode was for. It explains Lake Silencio and the doctor dying. I was sure of it. I was a hundred percent sure that the flesh doctor escapes and he is the one who dies in the lake.
2: Right. Yeah. Once, once we've seen that there are two doctors, you got to be thinking that way. I think, Oh, this is how we're going to get out of the, what we thought we saw before.
0: Yeah. And I think maybe even Amy was, was thinking that a little bit at some point in the Mm -hmm. episode and, by the end, we don't really know what happens to the the Ganger Doctor. Uh, they kind of jump in the TARDIS and leave. So from her point of view, well, I guess from Roy's point of view at that point, <laughs> it
1: seems like it's possible. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. So before we get into a, a discussion of the two Doctors, I want to briefly talk about the Gangers, the other Gangers other than the Doctor Ganger is... I want to know what you guys thought, and Lee, I'm going to point this to you. What did hmm. you think about this scene where they are discussing the option of living in peace versus revolution? What were your thoughts? Oh, how much time we got? As much time as you want.
2: <laughs> because I wondered, it's hard to to not see our entertainment... Um, at any given moment in the context of what's going on in our lives and in the world, you know, that that's part of how we relate to stories. And um, I would not have thought about people that I know in the real world. I think when I saw this episode before, but now I watch it and I think of uh, I, th- I think black lives matter when, when I'm watching this episode. Uh, I have I have friends who are who call BLM a terrorist organization Um, and and their defense for that is that they see what they see is rioting. And and if that's all they know, if that's what they're seeing, then, yeah. But if 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 like the gangers, if you have a a legitimate complaint and you you make you, you say, look, all we want is to be treated like people and you don't get that then it's then the next step may be violence. And and so that's what we see acted out here. The, the the gangers are literal copies of the minds, hearts and feelings of the other workers. And in a way, as I was watching this uh, uh, I was just re-watching it today and just thinking about this, how how can how can the gangers turn into killers? They <laughs> If if sort of the whole point of the episode is that they're not something different. And then I remember, well, actually, it was the humans who were going to try to kill them in the first place. In fact, the, the, the humans are or the originals. They're accustomed to killing. So that's in their heads, too. And I think that whether it's intended or not, that it feels to me like that ends up being a commentary on on uh, sort of the human condition that we we all have these potentials inside of us, whether we acknowledge them or not, we can we can be moved to do things we wouldn't ordinarily do. So then depending on the circumstances, that makes some of these people perceived as monsters. But, but where this episode troubles me is that then instead of just fighting back, then Gengar Jennifer literally becomes a monster. She, and and when, she, when she turns into the, 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 the hideous uh, kind of uh, Salvador Dali spider thing, uh, toward the end, uh, she's roaring like a, like a wild animal. Uh, and what struck me was, well, why would she do that? I mean, if I was going to, to uh, you know, if I had the ability to change my body and I was going to use my body then as a weapon, I don't know why then I would start saying, <laughs> you know, I don't know. It is scary, but I just thought, I don't, where's that coming from? Why, why would that happen? So, yeah. Well, you asked what, what my thoughts were. No,
1: and I love that. But what what I also love is what Clarence Brown's going to say. (laughs) We love it in advance.
0: (laughs) Well, I don't know, man. Again, I I really didn't remember this story. I didn't foresee it going into the direction of a rebellion slash liberation type of story. Um, Did not see that coming at all. I think they had one line of dialogue in this episode where I think it was Jennifer was talking about each time they, not whatever word they used to to, when they died, she had a specific word they were using for that. But she said every time that happens, they feel death and they remember it. Mm -hmm. To me, that made them just a little bit different, even though they did have all the memories and physicality of, you know, other than the monster creature at the end (laughs) of, (laughs) of the human race. And I think that's part of the thing that if you were a human in this situation, looking at the other side, whether it be uh, androids, Cylons, um, uh, what genetically engineered, whatever, mm-hmm. I think we're always fearful or these characters in these stories are always fearful of what happens on the other end of that. And they see these beings as having the possibility to... Evolve beyond what a human can be. And I guess that's part of the fear as well. So you have all that. You have this, this group of almost humans, gangers, uh, fighting for their rights. Because in every uh, sense of the word, they're sentient and they're beings. So I found all of that pretty fascinating. As well as I think it may have been. There's a moment in the story where we see the pit of gangers. And if, if that didn't change our minds as humans of, of these people or these gangers are not being treated right, uh, that moment would be the moment we, we we would, you know, start to flip to the other side and be like, OK. Um, and just it, 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 a bunch of things throughout the episode of, of how they subtly and not so subtly in some cases solidified that these are people. I mean, from the
2: kid to just so many things throughout the episode. Uh, I'm just going to very quickly, but add that, that uh, uh, if uh, that pile of dead gangers is what certainly what flipped Rory, yeah, because he he's just standing there with his mouth open saying,
1: "This is wrong," yeah, yeah. And you know what? With when when you were just talking, and I'm going to go very dark here for a moment, but but this just popped into my head. I wonder if this was supposed to be mindful or make us mindful of some atrocities or that have been committed during acts of war specifically in the last 100 years in the, the on planet earth of where you had piles of bodies that yeah. this may have been mm-hmm. you know supposed to have made us aware of just kind of keeping us in check and again i know that's very dark but that did happen you know unfortunately what i thought of watching this was the uniqueness about it. Of this wasn't they had found some, you know, sentient gangers that were uh, on this island, and it's, it's them, you know, two two sets of beings. But these were exact copies of the people themselves. I thought that was yeah, really really Great cool. Twist. But the thing that I kept coming back to over and over, and Lee, I'm going to mention or hit off of something that you said which was you know we reflect of our own lives and our own experiences particularly what might be going on wherever you are in the world but when the discussion reaches a point to where a whole divides into an antagonistic view literally us versus them isn't that where everything seemingly always goes wrong oh
2: absolutely and and i I think that's very well put uh, d- to me, the, the the reason why this story needs to be told, why, why the screenwriter wanted to tell this story, I think, is because this is something that we've done throughout history, including and up to this this very moment, is that as soon as we can look another. <laughs> person in the eye and consider them to not be human, then anything becomes possible. Yeah. The, the dehumanization is, is the first step towards, um, uh, you know, all of the, the worst things that have happened, uh, in history. And I think, um, I mean, you, you said you were apologizing for going really dark, but I think that's what the episode's about. It's a lot of us in the audience have to rebel. Every time we hear one of the, the workers refer to the gangers as being something that's not
1: human. Our experience of the gangers is that they are. Yeah. So, Clarence, what did you think of—so let's take it in a—and, you know, we went dark, so let's go bright. Let's go light Mm. here. What (laughs) did you think of this ending for the gangers where we see the duplicate—because I don't like the word ganger. I'm going to say the duplicate (laughs) father— because that sounds to me like we're slurring them in some way, right? Uh, yeah, that the, the you're right. that is, that is the derisive name that they. The, yeah, you're right. All right, so the duplicate <laughs> yeah. father. The duplicates. Yeah. All right, the duplicate doctor. I did. I like that. The duplicate doctor. All right, so the duplicate father. What did you think of him replacing the original father? Oh man, that
0: that that's a tough one. That's a tough one. That they did a great job of blurring the line there on us, maybe even internally on our feelings of it. Cause I know initially I was like, you know, I still want the real father and I'm holding it real in quotes, the real father to, to, to be a part of that kid's life, you know? And that's just a tough one, man. I don't, I don't really know how to frame it. It's a tough one, but in lieu of nothing, um, (sighs) I don't know. May I help me out here? I don't know. I I, I really don't know how to frame it.
2: I I think it's so much better than, I mean, it's not just better than nothing. I I think as far as that little boy is concerned, what difference does it make? Yeah.
1: I mean, that really is his dad. Oh man. I I would argue it is. So I, you know, of course, well, other than part of what I do on here is point questions to you guys. (laughs) I, I can't, comprehend that question because i don't have children so of Mm. course i'm going to point that to you guys but from the perspective of someone who doesn't have children and watching it as a viewer you know as solely as a viewer they did a great job within the story of every time you seemingly had something brought up about the child both versions of the father echoed the same sentiment right? Yeah. You know, and I thought that was very well played to paint that picture, because I saw it as not as the lesser of two evils, literally for reality, as the child sees it. That's his father. It, yeah. He knows everything about the experiences with the child. You know, that he may have not had a day or so of, you know, experiences that the other one didn't, I don't know. But as far as the child's experience, a hundred percent copied. So I just say life went on.
0: Yeah, and I think what really solidified it for me, you know, once you when you think of what happened to Jennifer in this episode, that might give you pause to be like, oh, is he? Could he possibly be something else later? You know, yeah. that would definitely give you pause. But I a doctor said uh, in the closing of the episode, he mentioned stabilizing them. And if I did have any doubts when he said that, I was like, "Okay,
1: they're not going to flip mode or whatever. I'm good with it. (laughs) (laughs) So before we get to the uh, two doctors discussion, I want to go back really quick. And Lee, I'll point this one to you, Jennifer. Do you think the character of Jennifer was overkill? Was she needed? Did she serve a purpose? And if so, what? Oh, I I think she's definitely essential to the
2: story. And I I find um, Sarah Smart, the actress who plays her, very, very compelling, very, very interesting. Um, It it is troubling how vicious and ultimately, you know, uh, a a genuine monster uh, she becomes. Because uh, I got to agree with Clarence. It does make you wonder if that's the potential in all gangers, in which case... Uh, <laughs> yeah. it would invalidate the whole rest of the story if they really are monsters and <laughs> but 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 what makes her monstrous is, is unbridled ambition uh, but i mean she she eats buzzer she ate him mm-hmm. I, uh, <laughs> yeah <mixed>. i Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a problem it's a problem um
0: i, I agree with lee said uh, definitely but i also say that I I do like how it did show different levels of the spectrum where you have Jennifer and then you have, I guess the best example we have, the father and Cleve Cleve also, I guess everybody else, but Jennifer (laughs) to be honest.
2: (laughs) Um,
0: But you see her trying to lead a rebellion against all things, normal human. And then you have the other ones uh, that are more than content to, you know, approach it a totally different way. So I think that sheds a good light on when you do have rebellions that come up, either whether uh, justly or unjust, you have like different levels of that uh, rebellion within the certain group and you don't have to go along with the most crazy, rebellious part of that faction in order to be heard.
1: Yeah. See, for me, now the actress who played the, the the role of Jennifer, she did an amazing job. I thought she was creepy. I thought she was untrustworthy and she was, you know, interesting. I hated the character, to be honest with you. But she did the character so well that I hated the character. So no, no, you know, no shade on her. No, you know, disdain for her work. She did a great job. I didn't like the character. But that said... To me, I would have rather you have had her be more diabolical as just duplicate Jennifer instead of becoming Monster Jennifer. She could have even done something like locking herself in the boiler room that's going to make the whole building explode or something, mm-hmm. and try to kill everybody if she doesn't get what she wants. To, to if you want to up the stakes some, fine with that. I'd didn't like the monster thing because i was like you're inserting the monster of the week in an otherwise really good story so. it,
2: yeah that's how it felt to me too frankly yeah and, and in the classic series of course it would have gone exactly the way you described because they weren't going to turn her into a monster it just weren't. she would have locked herself in there and you know turned the dials so it's going to blow the rest of the place up so, oh they
1: may yeah. have put her in bubble wrap
2: well, yeah, it would have been – yeah, she could have turned into something uh, that was perhaps mm-hmm. not convincing. But um, I don't know. But but it is. I think it is problematic that Jennifer keeps uh, turning into uh, these uh, nightmare creatures. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm
1: glad <laughs> you I, were going to say I, something. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I will give her one nod for being calculated on one certain part of the episode. When she gangers herself,
2: there's two gangers and she tricks Rory. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was great. <laughs> that's that's one of the things that I did not remember at all. So when uh, when she, she had the fight with herself and 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 the ganger fell in the acid, then later on I started thinking, "Wait a minute, was that real Jennifer who was dissolving in acid? That's not yeah. no, human bodies don't do Wait a minute.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Hang on here. So could yeah. that then explain Monster Jennifer if a duplicate copies themselves does that oh. further break down their constitution so to speak i wondered about that yeah
2: replicative fading yeah but, but, the, but the first jennifer was the one who uh, um socked rory like elastigirl and uh uh yeah. yes, you remember yeah. yeah
1: all right so let's get out of the monstrous jennifer and into the talk of the two doctors And I want to talk about Amy first, Mm -hmm. because obviously she perceives one doctor greater than the other. And I think this episode further expands on the idea of what it means to be a person. So I want to talk about the reveal now, because I think it frames the overall discussion. And so what I mean by the reveal is the doctor, the audience thinks and the characters think is the doctor is the duplicate and the duplicate is who everyone thinks or vice versa, wibbly wobbly, whatever. But right. they, they trade places. So what did you guys think about Amy, her reaction to this second doctor and either one of you take it away? <sighs>
0: yeah. For, for me, this is part of the episode that I, th- Thought that wasn't done well, and not in, not and when I say that not in the performances of of um, uh, uh, Matt Smith or uh, Amy in this uh, Karen Gillan in this episode. It's just that I wish they would have done something more than just have the tennis shoes be the difference of of the two doctors. Because honestly, for me. <laughs> I was having trouble keeping up who was who throughout the entire episode, but I totally get what they were going for by the end. It made sense, but I wish I could have had more of a visual uh, at a glance of who was who throughout the episode. And maybe I missed something. Maybe they did have that, but
2: I, I was constantly confused. All right. Lee, what say you? Well, I, I think we're supposed to be confused too. Right. I, I, um, I mean, th- the doctor. I don't think the doctor deliberately plays this uh, this shell game with Amy of letting her think that the the ganger is uh, the original doctor. Um, it, it just happens that way. But it's it is it's a very interesting exploration, and it's um, in the end it's one it becomes one of my favorite things about the episode that uh, uh, Amy can't explain why she immediately thinks of the the duplicate as being inferior um and and then has to repent of that in the end it's i don't know i i, th- I think it really has to raise some questions for for people you know um I, I, again you you know we, we we see things through the filter of our own experiences but i i'm a i'm an adoptive dad and uh i rem- from the time we brought this boy home from the hospital <laughs> i mean people were saying um well, but don't you want your own kids? Well, he is my own kid. You know, I mean, I did. I've done this his whole life, right? Uh, yeah, but I mean, uh, you know, uh, a son who's really yours. Well, he's really mine.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I. Yeah. So you know, I, I just think that it. I'll go back into the idea of framing what we think of a person and how we shape our thoughts of a person and how sometimes our reality, cause I've, I've made a joke on this podcast before it's my reality and I'll live in it or something to that mm. effect. I make my own reality. <laughs> right. But I, while I was making fun of myself and, you know, being lighthearted there, Amy's reality, her perception characterized how she reacted and it influenced how she reacted and, Spoke to and listened to and put faith into our lack thereof between these two versions of the same exact person. And I think it just revealed unconscious bias that she had without yeah. even realizing it. Right. So let me ask you guys this. What did you think of this moment when Amy sees the reveal? And we see the two doctors as they are, not as we thought. What did you think of Amy at that point? How do you think she felt? And how do you think uh, uh, Karen Gillen portrayed that revelation? And Clarence, I'll start with you. What did you think of that?
0: Uh, yeah, you know, she she did an excellent job showing that revelation on her face. Um, yeah. Yeah, a hard thing to square when you're always when you're thinking one person is one thing, um, and another is something else. And I guess that goes for real life too. Um and the fact that she was so adamant, um, really makes it that much harder, you know. <laughs> it really does.
2: Yeah. All right. Lee, what say you? Uh the same. It's um yeah, it, it's always interesting to, to, to watch somebody or to experience yourself. I think, um, having to do a complete 180 on something that you have felt, you know, with the deepest conviction and to have to recognize that you were completely wrong. And, uh, she, uh, she, she's, you have to admire her honesty and her self awareness. I think as she says, wow, I did I ever have this wrong?
1: Yeah. You know, it, I find it really interesting, you know, that she had such and i don't want to say disdain that's not the word that i'm looking for but but she totally discounted maybe again that's not the right word but she she saw that duplicate as less than totally we saw that you know yeah. and i think I, that was so profound for her character and you know karen gillen played it brilliantly but but before we move on i want to mention something really really quick as Clarence, you mentioned the idea of it being confusing. And I think, and I think, uh Lee, you hit on this too, that it was meant to be confusing because I was thinking when you were talking, let's go back to Journey's in, where we have the two versions of the 10th Doctor. We had one version in the blue suit, the other version in the brown suit. We knew which was which, without mm-hmm. a doubt. Yeah, And this one... We didn't. And I think that was, you know, a a staging, wardrobing storyline point that they intended to make it hard for us.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And, and, and,
0: and, and furthermore, you're probably going to get into this, but, and furthermore, once we get a little bit further in the episode, Rory is kind of faced with the same exact thing in a way, um, because he has no idea what's been going on (laughs) with his Amy. So. Wow! All
1: right, so that actually you you have good timing, my friend, because that is my next point. So let's talk about the moment at the end inside the TARDIS, and this is before the final reveal. The Doctor asks Rory to step away from Amy, and he does. Thoughts about what you you think might have been going through Rory's mind and his choice. To do not as his wife asked, but as the doctor requested. So, Lee, why don't you take this one first?
2: I, I was very interested in that dynamic because um, we've seen time and again, I think, so far that Rory will tend to uh, uh, trust Amy before he trusts the doctor. And I I really like the way this, is, this scene is played, is that I think what Rory is responding to is the doctor's manner, is his his tone of voice that this is this is not their silly friend who, you know, takes them on weird hijinks. This is a thousand year old Time Lord from Gallifrey saying step away. And I think Rory gets it. Clarence,
0: yeah, uh, we hit it on the head. And I'll just add um, Rory having to do that while also looking at Amy's expression in that moment. Of her having that realization of what's going on as well It had to be extra painful. So for him to step away, the doctor really had to be, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he had to really be convincing in that
2: moment, and just just a hard scene all around. It's so tough, and Amy is so frightened, and and Karen mm-hmm. Gillan, of course, plays it perfectly. I, I just, it, it's it's so difficult to watch. Mm-hmm.
1: And again, I know I've said this before in previous reviews, this is why people said that the three of them had such great chemistry together, is because of scenes just exactly like this. Because for me, this to me was like a big turning point in the dynamic between Rory and the Doctor. I think there was also, at this point, a mutual respect, but I think... It just went so many levels deeper at this point where I think this was not only the bookend of closing the book of, you know, who is, uh, Amy going to choose, et cetera, and so forth. This is the bookend that throws it out the window and puts the book under the, <laughs> you know, the under censors the book or whatever you want to call it. Right. You know, th- th- <laughs> this, this resolves that for, the end of time itself or something. Uh, totally well done. Absolutely well done. And I think it leaves Rory asking the question, where the hell is my wife? <laughs> yeah. uh, how long has this imposter been here?
0: <sighs> but was she and, really an imposter though? It was, it was her wife, his wife, for all intents and purposes, at least mentally. Um,
1: it's her. Yeah. So the duplicate Amy, and, and I love the irony of this. The duplicate Amy did not like the duplicate doctor because she thought yes. he was less.
2: Isn't that brilliant? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So, what did you guys think when he hits the sonic screwdriver zzz, and she dissolves thoughts?
2: Now, this one I do remember from you know when I saw it the first time. That that we've had a lot of holy wow kind of moments in this uh, in this show so far, and the, in the the, uh, seasons five and six here with the, the 11th Doctor. But this, of course, tops them all. Just the, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, so good. Um, and, and I remember that you were challenging us, Kyle, uh, several episodes back uh, to, to f- figure out, knowing what we, what we know, having seen the h- whole season, um, where is the point where uh, real Amy, we shall call her, gets taken away? And I still don't know.
1: Clarence, what do you think? Uh,
2: just
0: awesome. Again, like I said, I didn't remember any of this. So um, this all felt new to me watching this today. <laughs> and I loved it. I'm here for it. Um, nothing like a good mystery. And just the, the my, my jaw dropping. <laughs> like, <whoa? laughs> and um, again, like I said, I may have to go back and re-rate the last episode because that revelation at the end makes these episodes so much more poignant as to why the doctor is here and yeah just uh excellent excellent reveal excellent reveal all
1: right so i i'll agree with what everything you guys said so i will jump us already to your favorite quote lee Shackleford. what was your favorite quote
2: it's something that I had not noticed before until re-watching this today. But uh, when the doctor is trying to um, get Rory out of the acid room, when he's in there with the uh, ganger Jennifer, and he's shouting at him, Rory! And um, Rory's, you know, just uh, busy doing his own thing. To get his attention, he calls him by another name. And he says, Rory Pond, Roranicus Pondicus.
1: <laughs> Love it. <clears throat> Oh, that was great. Just, <laughs> that's his Roran- Roman name. I just got Roran- it. Yeah, Roranicus Pondicus. Yeah, that's who he's been <laughs> for 2,000 years. Oh, that, that is great? too good. I didn't get the... Uh, okay, that is too good. I'd never heard it before. Roranicus Pondicus. <laughs> favorite line, yeah. All right. Clari- Clarius is yes, whatever. <laughs> What's your favorite quote? <laughs> Thank you, Callius
0: Jonius. Yes. Um, I don't really have it written down, so I can't quote it per se, but just the beginning part when Matt Smith is in his phase at the very beginning, the doppelganger anyway, and he's he's quoting off some of these classic lines. Well, we're hearing these classic lines from these pa- classic doctors and uh, that the, all, everything said in that moment were my favorite quotes.
1: All right. So I'll go ahead and say that that was my favorite scene. But my favorite quote came right at the end of that, where he said, I've reversed the jelly baby of the neutron flow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that. So that's my favorite scene and my favorite quote. So your favorite scene, Clarence Brown, what say you?
0: Hmm, so many in this episode. So many. Um, but I guess I'll have to take the low hanging fruit on this one. Um, It has to be that reveal at the very end. Um, If I had remembered that, um, it wouldn't have been as impactful. But the fact that I had no clue what was going on, it just uh, floored me. And yeah, it has to
1: by far be my favorite scene of this episode. All right. So, Lee Shackleford, what was your favorite scene? I love that too. But um,
2: really, when I... The thing that I feel like sort of brings out the heart of this episode is that the doctor makes a phone call, and you know, surely he's calling for help, right? But what he's done is he's called Adam. He he's uh, he's called Jimmy's son, and I just think that's brilliant. So that moment where the the call is completed and Adam appears in the hologram. Um, I that I just, that just blew me away again. I just love that scene. And the ganger Jennifer says, You've tricked him into an act of weakness. And the <laughs> doctor
1: says, No, I've helped him into an act of humanity. Mm. Mm. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Final rating. Final rating. And Clarence, why don't you go first? What was your final rating? Yeah, I'll give this episode five
0: out of five eyes. Down the dark corridor. Ooh.
2: <laughs> good one. All right, All right. Lee Shackelford. I'm glad you brought that up, though. Just not <laughs> avoiding my answer, but just what the hell? That 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 little moment. I've just it, it it almost took me out of the episode. It's like, why would the
1: eyes be on the wall? I, yeah, I it's a, If the hills <laughs> can have eyes, the walls can have eyes. <laughs> no. No, I yeah, just,
0: that, there's no reason for that. Out of place. It was out of place. It in just this episode.
2: I, no. Yeah, it, it, it's a, it's an interesting effect, you know. But I just uh, whatever. <laughs> anyway, we're using that budget. That's right. We we <laughs> we can. So we're going to. Yeah. Oh, well. But but yeah, I, I got to give this a five out of five, too. So I'm going to give it a five g- g- Ganger Jennifer, Beast,
1: whatever the hell that thing is. <laughs> so. <laughs> so I wasn't going to be as kind to it, and I was going to give mm. it four. But because I was going to assign my object to it, I have to give it five. Because mm. any time that I say what my object is, it's got to be a five. So I'm going to give it five Tom Baker audio clips out of five. Yeah. I mentioned something at the very beginning. So before we go around and say where else might ye be found on the internet, there is a poem that comes with the very next episode that leads directly from this episode, which of course is called uh, a good man goes to war and it's, The Demon's Run, I'm not sure what the name of the, uh, but it's part of this next episode. So, since I am so excited about this next episode, I have remade it. So, you guys ready for it? Sure. All right. Time to watch when a good man goes to war. Time will tell, and oh, what fun, when a good man goes to war. Notes are made while plans are laid, yet rest assured the quotes won't fade when a good man goes to war time to watch lest ye be lost Lee and Clarence must pay the cost when a good man goes to war mm. Mm. just I gotta pay cost? I'm scared of the cost <laughs> I don't know, you gotta put up with me for the next episode because trust me, oh, okay. I am going if you think I was excited about silence in the library just say no. yeah, I get you because I remember specifically Clarence and Lee saying something to the effect of, uh, what have you been drinking or smoking right. or doing yeah. something? <laughs> and, and can somebody, does somebody need to go see if he's okay? If you think that one was excited, just wait. Okay. <laughs> and with that, thanks everyone for listening. And be prepared because next time, a good man goes to war. And we will be back next time.